It's good to see you all. Today we've gathered to worship, to celebrate Easter, so we'll have God's Word open us up to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll be reading from verse 3 to 9. And when you're there, I'll ask that you will rise for the reading of God's Word. Again, we are in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Now this is the word of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you did not know, though you did not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Happy Easter, everyone. Happy Happy Easter. (laughs) You have to mute your mic. (laughs) Happy Easter. (laughs) Uh, what a joyous day. It's a day to rejoice. Um, you know, while today is, is such a joyous day, we can't escape the fact that the past year has been a very difficult one for many reasons. But many of us experienced death. If not death, then disease. If not disease, then despair. If not despair, then depression. If not depression, then simply disappointment. It seems that the feelings of fear, anxiety, isolation, and the sense of just being lost were almost universally felt. You know, this past year, often I woke up forgetting what day of the week it was. At first, I told myself this was just because everything was virtual, that in a Zoom world or in a Zoomiverse, Right? There is no day of the week. Right? Zoom just consumes everything, and it's just about Zoom schedules. There's no day of the week or day of the month. I said that to console myself because I couldn't help shake this feeling of being lost. I had almost forgotten what life before COVID was like and had absolutely no expectation, no anticipation of what life was going to look like after COVID. And as a result, I often felt stuck. I felt lost. And I think many of you can relate. You know, on this Easter Sunday, as we look back, and maybe for some of you, it's the first time that you've actually come out in in public. As we look back on the midst of all that we have uh, experienced and faced, 
I think there is a message that we all need to hear this morning, and it's the message of hope. See, the Bible tells us that despite all of the brokenness, all of the suffering, all of the disappointments that we face in this world, that we can have lasting hope, that we can have sustained hope, that there is a such thing as true hope. The Bible tells us that hope is found in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In verse 3 of today's passage, Peter tells us that through the resurrection of Jesus, we have been born again to a living hope. You know, when a building is actually just really old, when it's just too old, when there's too much mold on the walls and on the floor, when, it's, when the building is infested with termites and pests, when there's structural damage and severe water exposure, you can't simply remodel that house. You can't renovate that building. The only way that you can give that building sustained life and utility is through demolition and reconstruction. Metaphorically, that building has to die and be raised up again. Similarly, the Bible tells us that because of sin, we are like this mold-infested, termite-ridden, structurally compromised building. No amount of renovation is going to restore us to former glory. Despite what the world tells you, and despite what you might think, self-improvement is not enough. The only way for us to have any hope is through resurrection. We have to die and be born again. That is the only way to true hope. Now, what Peter does in this, today's passage in verse 3 is he ties our new birth to the resurrection of Jesus. See, Peter says, when Jesus rose again from the dead, we also rose again with him. You see, Easter Sunday is about Jesus' resurrection, but it's not only about Jesus' resurrection. It's about the hope of our resurrection. I know Christians, we usually say that Jesus died for me, right? We say that often, Jesus died for me. And while this is true, it's incomplete. If we say that Jesus died for me, we also have to say that he was raised for me. So not only did Jesus die for me, but when he rose again, he was also raised for me. So we die with Jesus and we rise again with Jesus. See, what Peter is drawing on is he's drawing on the fact that when we are united to Jesus, we are united to Jesus in every possible way. You see, not once does Jesus say, you know what, I will share this part of my life with you but this part I'm not going to share. See, not once does Jesus say, I'll do this for you, but this I'm going to do for myself. No. See, everything that Jesus did, we are united to it 
and it becomes ours. The life he lived, the death he died, the resurrection from the dead, even his glorification becomes ours. We are united to him in every, every possible way. Not once does he say, I'm going to do this for myself. But he says, you will be united to me in every possible way. You know what we believe, Christians, on this day? We believe that we are far worse than we can ever imagine. I know that no one here claims to be perfect. And we all admit that we need some work. That we need some help. But the truth is, when the curtains of our hearts are pulled back, it's far worse than what you think or what you project. You and I are infested with all kinds of sins. We are broken beyond repair. If you've ever done a home inspection, if you inspect the home, you, feel, you realize that there are so many things in the home that need repair, so much more than meets the eye. The gospel tells us that we are far worse than we believe, than we can imagine. We are far worse than what we project unto others. If you actually pull the curtains back, you look behind the drywall, you look beneath the floorboard, what will you find? you'll find hideous sins. That is why we need to die. But the gospel tells us that we are also far better than we can imagine. The gospel tells us that he loved us in such a way that he united us to him in every possible way. If you look at verse 4 in today's passage, it it talks about an inheritance that we have, an inheritance that is imperishable, an inheritance that is undefiling, unfading. You know, we have to ask the question, where does this costly, valuable inheritance come from? Whose inheritance do you think this is? It's Jesus' inheritance that he now willingly shares with us through our union with Jesus. His inheritance becomes our inheritance. See, the gospel tells us we are far worse than we can imagine. Yet, we are now far better, loved in a more greater way than we could have ever desired or wanted. Peter says, through the resurrection of Jesus, we have been born again. And this makes sense, because how is it that we can have lasting hope in this world? At a certain point, you can only upgrade. At a certain point, you can only improve. And you run out of steam. You run out of life. A few years ago, I had this old car, this Mini Cooper. It was over 10 years old. And some of the congregants know that what, what I tried to do is I tried to extend its life. 
it would break down every few months, but I would just try to fix it and say, no, you know what? I'm going to extend its life. I'm going to upgrade it. I'm going to improve it. I'm going to fix it. And I tried to push its limit. But at a certain point, there was no hope. It was hopeless. You see, the reason why scriptures can tell us that we have true hope is because we actually died and we rose again. Now, I think one thing that we should ask, another question that we should be asking this morning is, why does Peter call this hope a living hope? Why is this hope something that's described as being alive? Well, I think it has to do with the context of, what, of Peter's letter. See, Peter in today's letter, he's writing to people who are suffering. He's writing to people who are suffering because of their faith in Jesus. And if you look at verse 1 of 1 Peter 1, he refers to these people as exiles. In other words, they are refugees. They are people without a home, people without a community. They are people without security and stability. You can say they are people without hope. But notice how Peter talks about these people's sufferings. In verse 6, Peter says this, Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. He says, listen, it's necessary and it's only for a little while you've been grieved with various trials. You know, the people don't have a home. These people are suffering severely. And yet, Peter, in verse 6, says they are suffering necessarily, and it's only for a little while. See, what Peter is doing is he's not minimizing the people's suffering. He's not being oblivious to the world's brokenness. But what Peter is doing is in comparison to this new life, in comparison to the work of Jesus, the suffering that the people are enduring, Peter says it is brief. The hope that we have, it's a living hope, while the suffering the people endure is brief. The hope is enduring. The hope is living. The hope is overpowering, while the suffering they face is momentary. It's a lot like yeast and dough. I know many of our congregants have gotten into baking during COVID, and it's a lot like yeast and dough. If you compare yeast and dough, dough is often bigger, more prominent, while yeast is small. It has these very unassuming characteristics. It comes in these little packets or these bottles. And if you first get, when you get into baking for the first time, you know, you sort of think like, how is this small amount of yeast going to affect this big piece of dough. Well, what happens when you mix the two? When you put yeast in dough? The small amount of yeast ferments the dough. It strengthens the dough. It causes the dough to rise. In other words, yeast gives dough life. See, often the suffering and the hardships that we face in this world can appear to be this unscalable mountain. 
the suffering that we endure can seem to be this relentless slave master working us to the ground. And when we hear the gospel message, we might think, how is this hope, this tiny, tiny bit of hope about some Messiah going to help me face the giant of despair, the darkness of depression, and the pain of disappointment? Well, it's because like yeast, the gospel hope is a living hope. The gospel hope reminds us that we are born again, meaning that while we are in this world, we are not of this world, that this world has absolutely no hold upon us, as Hebrew 11 reminds us that this world is now not worthy of us. In other words, this world can't touch us. Our citizenship is in heaven. And as today's passage reminds us, our inheritance is kept in heaven. It's guarded by God's power. Meaning our inheritance is safeguarded by the power of God that nothing can change and alter it. Meaning inflation can't influence it. Economic crisis cannot crash it. Peter reminds us that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have a living hope. And the good news is this morning is that you and I, we have this hope in us. And this hope causes us to endure. This, this hope causes us to persevere. This hope causes us to fight on, to press on. That no matter what comes our way, the hope of the gospel shall prevail. Uh, there was this well-known psychologist by the name of Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a man, uh, an Austrian-born um, psychologist who had spent three years as a prisoner in a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. While Frankl was in these camps, he had observed something profound among all the inmates. He noticed that people who had a propensity to overcome the suffering in these camps had something in common, and that was meaning in life. In other words, they all had hope. Those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. He quotes a philosopher in his book. And Frankel noticed, on the other hand, that those who died of fatigue, those who died of anguish and stress, even those who committed suicide, were those who had lost hope for life after all of this, that they had no purpose and reason of living, that even if they were to liberate it, they had no hope. Frankel says that this lack of hope quickly ate away at the psyche of the people and it caused the body to just physically give up. As an example, Frankel, he talks about this friend who shared a dream with him. In this dream, this friend 
um, an angel approached him, and the angel told him that the war would end, and everyone would be set free on March the 30th. After that dream, this friend had hope. There was a bounce in his step. One can sense that he had purposed, and he was revived. However, the war intensified as the date grew near. March 29th came around, and this friend suddenly became sick. March 30th, he lost consciousness. March 31st, the day he was expected to be freed, he died. Why? Well, Frankel believes it's because this man lost hope. Frankel himself almost fell victim to this. His father, his mother, his brother, even his wife, they were all prisoners who were killed, who died in these camps. Frankel writes in his journal, his diary, that while he was working, just another day in the field, being insulted by the guards, Frankel shares how this hopelessness came upon him, that he saw no end to the suffering, no meaning behind what he was doing in his life. In all of his labors, he thought, I do this every single day. I'm breaking ice. What is the meaning of all this? And once he started to think that, death became imminent. He felt death coming nearby. All of a sudden, he hears the wife, the voice of his dead wife, and he starts to think about her. And he shares that in the gray clouds, he saw a light. And as he saw the light, newfound hope came upon him. Franklin goes on to find meaning by practicing psychology in the camps at night. Yes, during the day he would do labor, but at night what he would do is he would meet with, these, with people. He would counsel them. He would speak to them. He would take note of everything, the people that he met, the ideas that he formulated, and he would go on to publish his notes, a book entitled Man's Search for Meaning. You know, Frankel notes, his, his thesis is this. He says, you know, there were different types of people in the concentration camps. People who were in utter shock the entire time. How could such a thing happen? People who became apathetic, people who didn't care anymore, people who lost all sense of community and care. He said there were people who grew bitter and angry. He noticed that even among those prisoners, there were dreamers, people who were so optimistic about the end and what life was going to be like when they got out. And he noticed that all these people had a very low chance of survival. Even the optimists, people who thought of what life was going to be like when they eventually got out, when they were liberated, they would go on to face disappointments and face deep, deep depression. Where Frankl says there was something in common with everyone who not only survived, but after they were released, who thrived. And he said, these people had a transcendent hope. These people were hoping in something that the circumstances and the situations could not touch. It was a transcendent hope. And as they held on to this day by day, and even as they got out, as they held and lived by this, they were able to find meaning in what happened. They were able to find purpose in the suffering world. 
See, everyone had experienced the same level of trauma. Everyone had experienced severe hardship. Everyone experienced inhumane persecution. Their human dignity was stripped from them every day. They saw their loved ones, their fathers, mothers, spouses, children, killed. And the smell of smoke and burning every morning was the smell of flesh being scorched. But Frankel says, see, suffering doesn't equal despair. Suffering without hope is despair. Suffering isn't despair. It's not the same thing. Suffering without hope is despair. That's the message that Peter is giving to us this morning. See, Peter is saying, suffering with hope leads to inexpressible joy. That's the Christian formula. Suffering with a transcendent hope, hope in the resurrection leads to inexpressible, untouchable, undefiled joy. Friends, I don't know the life you've lived this past year, and I don't know what life is going to look like a year beyond this. But in the midst of our sufferings and hardships, if you do not have hope, it will quickly become despair. But if you have the hope of the resurrection, if you have the hope of the gospel, this hope of new life, then that leads to inexpressible joy. See, Peter says, the hope that we have is living, it is alive, and the suffering that we endure is momentary. It's brief. Will you this morning on this Easter Sunday look up to the hope that we have, the hope of the resurrection in Jesus Christ, the hope of new birth and new creation, the hope of our inheritance in heaven? Would you join me in prayer at this time? We can spend just a few minutes uh, reflecting and in prayer. Have we lost, have you lost hope? As you look around and as you endure suffering, is your heart in despair? Have you given up? Or are you finding meaning? Are you finding purpose? Are you finding hope in the midst of all that is going on? This Easter, would you choose hope? Would you receive the hope that we have in Christ Jesus? You know, Peter's audience 
were undergoing severe suffering, persecution. They were exiles, people without a home. But Peter begins, blessed be the God who by his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Does Jesus' resurrection give you hope? Let's spend a few minutes that this would be the transcendent hope that we hold on to as we go about our day-to-day facing the griefs and the sorrows, the despairs and the worries of life here on earth.